with his collar popped. He looked like the Count from Sesame Street. American CEO. The infamous Lenny Kravitz song. But I think that might be the last time that we see those four women. Four women of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sally Ann, what a moment in the sun. We hardly knew her, Sally Ann. Who would the Roy family be if they were friends character? You'll have to tell us, Neil. We're, we're running out of time and the will to live. Woof, woof. This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. I am the man. I am the man. Hello and welcome to TV DNA Succession Season 4, Episode 9, Church and State. My name is Adam Henning, and it's not for me to judge my fellow podcast hosts. History will tell that story. Joining me, he's a salty dog, but a good egg. It's Damien Cooper. Oh, it's getting a little Tiananmeny out there. <laughs> he is the droid I'm looking for. It's Neil Shepek. If you have a little dicky, maybe don't go to the nudist beach. Sage advice. Also joining us, she's ready to make a meatball burger. It's Grace Chapman. Sad, saddy, sad, sad. Something, 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 something. <laughs> Right then, so let's get into this episode. Logan's funeral. It was a bit Reagan-y with tweaks, not twerks. What do we make of this, Damien? Uh, I knew you were going to come to me first. Uh, I thought it was good TV. My only issue with it was it's just a bit too long. I think we could possibly cut a little bit out, maybe have an extra episode. It's really difficult to watch this, make notes and record the evening it comes out. If you start making the episodes last more than an hour. <laughs> so what would you cut out, Damo? Well, I wouldn't necessarily cut out. I'd maybe shift it around. So it may be more of the build up to the, the funeral would go into another episode. Maybe some of the kind of post funeral shenanigans and wrangling maybe in another episode they've um hoisted themselves by their own petard by making every episode one day right mm-hmm. yeah that's that's a good point it did feel like there were multiple endings to this episode i felt like oh it, that, that must be the end oh we still got 20 minutes left to be honest i think you know if it's the penultimate ever episode of succession i don't mind being a bit indulgent and doubling down on the action i agree uh, well, Neil, let's let's get to the meat of it then. Let's talk about Roman. Well, okay, so the episode starts with Roman and he's setting up his eulogy and he seems to be in a good place and very confident. Well, we might as well say right now, spoilers, if you haven't watched the episode, stop listening right now. But Roman then completely buckles when he has to deliver his eulogy. And that suddenly becomes really interesting for the other siblings that then jump up, do their own eulogies. Just something I want to add is that this, we also in this episode, we get no pre-title scenes. We go straight into the titles and then straight into Roman preparing himself. So I think that's the first time that's happened. I mean, like you say, uh, Neil, he seems incredibly confident, relaxed, sort of making little jokes and little uh, quips as he practices his speech. I mean, he even, I think, says to Kendall, he calls it party time, doesn't he, at one point. So I was like, what is going on here? Is this 
complete denial? Is this adrenaline? I was trying to understand it. And then obviously as it all came tumbling down, I think probably the pre-grieving maybe just didn't happen. Well, he's the king of dong. There was a, a line in that opening sequence, which I thought was really nicely played on towards the end of the episode. So in a way, it contrasts the fall of Roman in that he says, I selected the president. Do you see his pecker in my pocket? And then at the end, when Kendall's telling him that he's fucked it, he's like, the president's got our dick in his hands. There's another bit in that where he, in the first scene where he's saying, here I am talking loudly about my father. And don't I perhaps remind you of him just a little? And then at the end, Kendall says to him, you tried to dad it, but you fucked it. Which must have hugely hurt Roman. I mean, in in a huge way. I mean, that's all Roman has really ever wanted is to feel loved from his dad and from his family. And I, I think what Kendall said to him at the end of the episode we could see repercussions of that in the final episode. I mean, I just felt like he didn't have the bandwidth to even comprehend what Kendall was saying to him at the end. He's like, dude, just like, fuck off. No, actually, fuck off. Uh, And he just, he he could not do it, could he? I cannot tell where Roman is going for the final episode and how this is going to play out because, you know, Roman has... The thing is, it's not embarrassing to break down and cry at your father's funeral, it just fundamentally isn't. However, this is the Roys and this is Logan. And I think probably they're going to feel Roman's going to... I just don't know how he's going to react. Well, there's also the share prices to think about, of course. Uh, yeah, it's it's a tough one because I think Kieran Culkin was absolutely amazing in this episode. And I fucking hated Roman. And I was so glad to see him get his comeuppance. He was such an unbelievable cunt up until he stood up to make that speech. He was, even by his standards, so disgustingly vile to Shiv. The stuff he talks about when he finds out she's pregnant, if I see you breastfeed, I'll have to jerk off. Come on, let's go and have another one. That's his own fucking sister, man. That's it's And he's, he's the one who's telling Kendall that, you know, we've got to go and glad hand and we've got to talk to people at the funeral and, and all the rest of it. And he's supremely confident. Do you think it is the speech from Ewan that breaks him? I wondered whether, I wondered how much he knew about what Ewan was talking about. The story about the the U-boats and their boat on the way to America. The story about him bringing polio and blaming himself for his sister dying of polio and his aunt and uncle letting him live with that. Roman's reaction to that, I wondered whether it was the first time he was actually hearing those stories and that that was potentially what broke him and, and meant that he, he he then couldn't give his speech at all. I think it made things real for Roman. And Roman's had a childhood where he's not had any love, let's face it, from father. He's rejected love from Connor as his older brother. And I just think it's just suddenly put things in perspective in a way or the way that he can't really process. Hence why he just broke down. Also, is it that he thinks probably Ewan's right in a lot of what his speech was and that Roman was about to stand up there and probably not really be authentic to what he 
really thinks about his dad and that might have thrown him a little bit. I also think the coffin was quite, just for Roman, a huge, like cast a huge shadow over him, uh, which built up quite slowly over the course of the episode to the point where obviously he says that line about, is he in there? Can we get him out? So I think actually seeing the coffin was also another big moment for him. But I do think that speech by you and I mean, his face during that speech, it was just haunted, wasn't it? I was wondering, you know, when was the last time Rome saw Logan? Because he died on the plane. He went and looked into the plane, saw him on the plane, I believe. But then he wasn't involved in any of the organising of the, the funeral. So I think it could be that. It's, it's there. This is it. Last time he saw him was literally just after he died. And I've been able to have it as a kind of almost this philosophical thing, almost. It's not real. It's just in my mind. But here he is dead. And I think that coupled with, like you said, the, the story, Logan was all about building a myth, the myth of who Logan was. And here he is, his brother, saying, actually, do you know what? It was fucking shit. He was a kid once. He was weak once. He was wronged badly once. And, you know, most people see their parents as superheroes. It's very difficult to view your parent as a human being. They are more often than not, but not always, mum or dad or dad and dad or mum and mum or whatever. And you bestow upon them this godlike omnipotence, you know, all this stuff that they have. And I think it's all that comes crashing down at once when he stands up and sees the coffin. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we also ought to remember that Roman was the only child of Logan's that actually went to see the dead body. He went up onto the plane. And I don't know, I, I think seeing that coffin... I mean, I've always said in the past that Roman is the one child who is the most honest, most open about his feelings towards his dad. He's tried to connect with his dad. Uh, and I think there's something in that. And it didn't surprise me when he broke down at the funeral. I, I know Roman has, as a character, been a really shitty person with lots of choices he's made but as, as far as his relationship with his dad his desire for his dad's love and I just completely felt for him and I felt like maybe he was the weakest in that particular situation yeah I definitely and certainly in that moment of you know is is he in there can we get him out I had a lot of sympathy for him and yeah I remember at my when my grandma passed away, I was at university and I didn't, all the rest of my family were all together and I wasn't there. And then at the funeral, I just completely and utterly broke down. And it was horrible because, you know, everybody was holding it all together and then they saw me in floods and, and that set them all off. But it was because I hadn't hadn't done any pre-grieving. I hadn't grieved at all beforehand. And so then seeing the coffin, you were like, so I, I totally related to, to all of that stuff. And I think he was, it was such a, I mean, horrible to watch that moment of him getting up on the stage and fiddling with his cards and brilliantly, brilliantly done. I also just absolutely loved the shot of all their hands on Roman's back when they were in their little huddle and Roman was like just completely a broken man. And there was just a shot of all the siblings' hands on his back. I just thought that was so lovely, just like a tiny choice that they made 
It's just great. Yeah, I yes. think is that the first time we see all four of them together? We've had a couple of obviously Caroline and Logan's kids all together, important moments holding each other. But to have Connor in there as well, I think maybe not the first, but certainly the second time. Definitely since karaoke night. <laughs> We've got to talk about the whimpering. Oh. It's been recorded and is being circulated. So was it picked up on the mic? I think it was it picked up on the mic on the on the kind of the place where they do the speech or something. It felt it was very clear, wasn't it, in the recording? I think Carl said that Ray had recorded it. Who's Ray again? He's one of the dudes that was on the plane. I'm sure he's one of the underlings. Oh, as if it can't get worse for Roman. That's now. What does he say? Someone, one of you would have written it down. Something about being a squealing pig. What was it? Mm. Something like that. It was a really horrible moment because we knew that Roman was quite confident in what he was going to say. And then obviously what Ewan said threw him off guard a bit. And suddenly the emotion hits him and he can't do it. You know, he cries, he sobs. And then Kendall takes over. And what wasn't planned, I mean, obviously Ewan wasn't planned, but also it was planned that it would just be Roman. And then Kendall and Shiv both get up to speak. And I thought it was great and very interesting that all siblings got to speak apart from Connor. But Kendall was, he was also very honest and to the bone. And says, it's true what my uncle said, my father was a brute a vitality, a force that could hurt. But he made life happen. He made me and my three siblings. And that's magnificent, that awesome force within him. And I particularly noticed Ewan's look after Kendall said that. I think Kendall does a really, really good job, ultimately. You know, it's a good speech. Some of the lines, he says, the will to be and to be seen and to do, the lives and the livings and the things that he made and the money you know he's got quotable stuff funny stuff and honest stuff in there and afterwards you can see the difference is like everyone's slapping him on the back Menkin is like yeah let's have a chat you know everyone can recognize that he's done a good thing and my question to you is do we think that Kendall has become a bit more Logan-esque at yeah. the end of this episode 100 yeah yeah completely agree Whilst we're looking at the eulogies, I invite us to talk about Shiv because she didn't intend to go up and speak, and she did. And she talked about how they used to play outside his office. He was so terrifying to us. He kept us outside. When he let you in, when the sun shone, it was warm in the light. He was hard on women. My dear, dear world of a father. Yeah. Amazing. Also, just her first two words when she gets up on the mic is, my father, my father. And Sarah Snook's delivery of those four words was stunning. So good. It was almost like she had to suddenly realise suddenly where she was in front of all these people and kind of settle herself and ground herself and go, what am I talking about? My father. But yeah, I really liked how she directed quite a lot of, it felt like she directed a lot of her speech to the coffin and a lot of her speech to Marsha, Kerry, Harriet Walter and Harriet Walter's Kerry. <laughs> you mean Lady Caroline Collingwood and Sally Ann? 
Thank you. All the harem as they are known. <laughs> but yeah, I thought when she talked about, what does she say? She has that amazing line of he, he couldn't fit a whole woman in his head or something like that. She sort of turned to those four, uh, but he did okay. He did okay. And it was just, I thought she was amazing. I thought they were all so honest, whether it be Roman breaking into tears, whether it be the words that Kendall gave, whether it be Ewan's words, whether it be Shiv's words. I just felt like all of them were really honest and didn't hold back on the negative side of Roman. Uh, sorry, Logan. Yeah, I agree. And I think she couldn't not talk about his relationship with women because it's so fundamental to who she is how she views the world and how she basically was, without wanting to go into the Godfather part two, stepped over, as it were, for Roman. She was Fredoed for Roman. And I think also that that treatment of women, how that is then passed on to Kendall and Roman and how that's then affected her life again. So, yeah, I, I, I found it really interesting that she was able to find the positives from that, but she she still had to talk about it. Yeah, big time. I mean, you talk about the fact they all stood up there and stood the, said the truth. I think, like, going back to what you first said, Adam, I think it's because Ewan told the truth and it almost gave them permission to get up and speak from the heart. I mean, if he hadn't, he got up there like a flash, didn't he? Greg could not chase him down. <laughs> It was pretty humiliating, I think, for Greg, in a way. I wonder, was that the Contessa sitting next to him? I couldn't tell. But I did just want to give a quick shout out. I didn't write all of it down, some of Ewan's lines in this mm-hmm. eulogy that he gives. He has wrought the most terrible things, drawn in the edges of the world, darkened the skies, closed men's hearts, fed the dark flame in men, the hard, mean, hard, relenting flame that keeps their hearts warm while another grows cold, grows hungry. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. And it just mirrors what's going on, right, in New York. You know, we, we're hearing it. We hear over an ATN, people are protesting. They're going to go outside the offices of ATN at various points, rather saying that she's taking the kids out of the country. We'll obviously go to that when we talk about everything that goes on around hashtag Queasy Gonzalez. But... I just, I just think it's interesting that as this episode goes on, it feels more and more like Nero fiddling as it's not Rome. Whereas Rome the burns, burns down, yeah. Exactly. It just feels like that's what's going on. The Republic is falling and these people are just too obsessed with their glitz and glamour to what's really fucking going on. And Roman obviously gets a very real taste of that at the end. One of my favourite things about this episode is how up close and personal they were getting with the mess that they have made. Like, they weren't in their big ivory towers with the, you know, big glass windows. They weren't behind the ATN screen. They were on the streets of New York and people were pummeling on the window and shouting. And I I just loved that about this episode. You can't run away from this. This is a mess that you have created. I thought that was for me, one of the best bits about it, and obviously it leads to that incredible final five minutes with Roman. I love that. The backdrop of the protests is is incredibly well fed throughout the episode. It's pretty instant reaction to Mencken being lauded as president. And, and thank goodness Tom made the, the call, right? 
<laughs> suddenly he's made the call. <laughs> well, of course, the protests uh, do have the impact of meaning that Rava's taking the kids upstate. They're not going to Logan's funeral, which Kendall doesn't deal with particularly well. No, he does not. I loved how she was like, we're going upstate because we think we're worried there's going to be disturbances. And then Kendall just goes and makes his own disturbance. You're too online. You've lost context. You're being hysterical. All things which were true about him at the time. <laughs> and he's like, there's no problem. Everything is fine. I was, I was almost expecting him to burst into, everything is awesome. <laughs> but Kendall does enjoy a little, a little sing song every now and then. Well, he insists he's going to go to court to get an order to stop Reva from leaving the city. Or lie in front of the car. I mean, the desperation. Mm. Incredible. He wants overall custody of the kids now. So he's been told no, and he and, and he doesn't deal well with that. I think the scene with Jess later is just so fucking horrible. I felt so much for her. You know, he's like, right, this is what's going to happen. I'm not dealing with this. We're going to have to pencil in this meeting. Wait a second, I've got a meeting with you. What's that about? I'd, it's okay, we don't need to talk about it now. Oh, I kind of feel like we do need to talk about it. They had the conversation. He's an absolute dick. And then he's like, yeah, thanks. Thanks for thanks for making me feel like that and talking about like that, talking about that on today of all days. Like he forced the whole thing. And she still has to say afterwards, I'm sorry you feel that way. She can't say to him, no, you fucking egomaniac. What? I didn't want to talk about it. This is all you. All of this is brought on by you, but you're so indulged. I just have to say, oh, okay, yeah, sorry. I feel like, Damo, your feelings in this scene were very similar to mine. <laughs> I wrote down, Jess is free. Jess, please be free. But Jess is free. <laughs> but Jess think... wants to move on to another position. Ken says, is this about Menkin? And then he tells her it's fucking dumb. She's fucking dumb. Nice timing, Jess. I think it is interesting. Jess says that he's always been supportive of her. And he is the only one, other than Logan, who, who just barks at his employees. He's the only one of them that we see actually talking to his employees, to Fikra and to Jess and all the rest of them. We never see uh, Shiv or Roman or anybody else really talking to the people who work for them. Whereas Roman, uh, sorry, Kendall does. But it's just he doesn't always do it particularly well. And, and then in this episode, like last episode, he's got Frank on board. This episode, he gets Hugo. He gets Colin. He. And I was just thinking, is Jess leaving an opportunity for Kerry, maybe? Oh, my goodness. Gosh. If she can pull herself together. <laughs> yeah, I think what you were saying, Damo, is that you're right. He, Kendall hates being rejected and he'd just been rejected by his family and then he just got rejected by Jess within about 10 minutes. But I was also thinking, you know, when he said, oh, he was like, is this about Menkin? I was reminded of Jess's scene in the election episode where she's walking along the corridor with Greg and she's like, you don't have to, you could just wait two minutes. Like, please, can we not live in the world that you're about to create? Can we live in this world for a little bit longer? Her face in that bit. So I was really reminded of that. I mean, of course it's about Menkin, but it's about everything. Like, where does she fucking start, right? Yeah, life's too short to, to spend any longer working for this this guy, right? Totally. I'm not sure if it's at this scene or when they go to the tomb, but for some reason, Kendall's collar is popped on his jacket. 
I can't remember at what point he decides he's he's a cool dude, greaser, biker guy. But all I kept thinking was with his with his collar popped, he looked like the count from Sesame Street. Mm. One funeral. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Having never watched the Muppets, Dame, I wouldn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Sesame Street. I know. Right. Where, where haven't we gone? To talk, I mean, do we want to talk a bit more about Hugo? Yeah. I thought he was the funniest thing in this episode, personally. I am the droid you're looking for. And then when Kendall says, Kendall's, again, this is for me one of the most Logan-esque moments of the episode. But Kendall basically says to him, I'm going to be ruling the world, the deal's off. He, he's, he's got him to spin all of these media rumours, basically, that the deal's not going to happen. And then he says, you'll be my dog. But the scraps will be millions. Happy? Woof, woof. And, and the other thing he does, obviously, crucially, is to tell Kendall about Shiv's play. American CEO. The infamous Lenny Kravitz song. So the clear thing is that Shiv is going independent to the Roy family. And with the help of Matson, she's basically setting herself up for a cushy job. And... She's completely feeling like she wants to be independent of her brothers. Yeah, I mean, 36 hours of maternity leave, kid will hardly see her. She can do anything. Her dad just died. Well, she's she's basically saying she's going to do the same thing as her dad did. Like, she's not going to be there as a parent. She'll completely put the business first. If we're going to talk about Shiv, and um, we've talked about that conversation she's had with Matson in the, the deal-breaking that goes on, in the church, there's another amazing scene with Ken and Shiv where Caroline turns up and she looks her daughter up and down in that classic supportive mother-daughter relationship, realises she's a little bit bigger than last time. And just watching her go through that journey to realise her daughter's pregnant, that conversation that's had is so phenomenally passive-aggressive. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, I don't think she had a Dalmatians with her. <laughs> I mean, Shib never actually tells her mum that she's pregnant in that conversation. That's the beauty of that conversation. Uh, Harriet, uh, well, what's her name? Harriet Walter? Caroline. Yeah. Well, Caroline says, are you okay? Shib says, yes. She looks her up and down. She goes, blimey. <laughs> well, well, it's perfect. It's the perfect conversation between those two women. She is her onion after all. There's the, the later scene with Tom, though, and I think she is being heavy with the sarcasm in that, right? I mean, do we believe that she is going to just abandon this child and go back to work immediately? And it's so brilliant how Caroline does not get it, does not get the sarcasm that's being laid on. She says, I'm not going to see it. I'll just do it the family way. And and then Caroline's like, oh, that, well, that will work fine. And then she was like, they don't grow up emotionally stunted, do they? <laughs> it was so brilliant. So, so good. Yeah, agreed. I, I don't think that she would do it. The fa- I, I, I hope that Shiv, knowing how that feels, would make a different choice. But yeah, it, it was just brilliant. The, both those scenes between them, real highlights. What do we think about her drinking the champagne, being pregnant? A little bit of champagne's not going to hurt. I think it was just a fuck you. Who's going to blink first? Fuck you, I'm yeah. going to drink some champagne. Yeah, you know I've got your child, but fuck you, I don't care. 
It's my choice. My body, my choice. Fuck you. Let's talk about her political playing because she's done it a couple of really brilliant things in this episode in that she's persuaded Matson to release the numbers and that's worked. There's been no blowback on that. And then she's played Menken and got the agreement from Menken that they he won't block the deal, that he's going with Matson. Yeah, there's, there's a little bit before all of that, if you don't mind get us going into it, when Ken tries tries to push, Matson says, you were the sound system, now you want to choose the track. Correct, Cs. Menken said it. What did I say? Matson. Jesus Christ. You, um, thank you for correct Cs. Correct Cs-ing <laughs> me. Uh, but yeah, I thought we were already a bit dubious as to how much Menken will play ball and how much he's going to fuck them over. And I think that was pretty much, especially after Roman fumbles the speech, I think Menken thinks these guys aren't serious. I can absolutely pick another side. Doesn't he call Roman the Grim Weeper? Oh, tiny tears. <laughs> but then we have this build-up, right? So Kendall's trying to push him. Reg turns up. He starts blabbering some shit. Then Roman turns up, tells him to fuck off. Then Connor comes on, trying to finagle some more stuff out of this Slovakian ambassadorial, whatever it is. And just the way Shiv comes up and says, I'm your, what does she say? I'm your extraction team. Mm. Oh, so cool. A blonde, a brunette and a redhead walk into a bar. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Menken's going a bit far with the old brunette. It's more sort of salt and pepper, isn't it? <laughs> yes, Jim introduces Matson to Menken. <laughs> I've written down privacy pussy pasta. <laughs> and my dad had deep currents swimming around his gut. A couple of tiny men in your pockets or a gateway to broad and growing cultural influence. And that's when Matson suggests an American CEO, which seems to be Shib's destination. Privacy Pussy and Pasta is a callback to Kendall's birthday party, right? The three Ps. <laughs> yeah, in the treehouse. And then the way Shib sort of spins it to anarcho-capitalist Parmigiana. <laughs> Oh, molto bene. What I also liked is when she really like when you know, when Matson says about the American CEO, Menken turns to look at Shiv, realizing, mm. ah, right. So Shiv is who you're, who it is, and he says Kinder Kucha Kicha over here, which is a for those who don't know a reference to Nazi Germany that women should look after children, be in the kitchen, and go to church, which is what those three things translate as. Oh, sounds fun. He does say, I, I thought you hated me. And and she can't say that she'd be glad to see him win. But she's like, it doesn't matter what I think. I'll do right by you. I thought that might be a hurdle for her that she wasn't going to be able to get over. But it doesn't seem to have been. Well, yeah, just on that note, I mean, what's our thoughts on Shiv? I mean, there's only one episode left. You know, we've got a 90-minute episode to finish everything off. Where do we think Shiv might land up? I am not Team Shiv. I know that Grace and Damo are. I'm not jumping on Team Shiv at the last minute. However, she's in pole position, right? She's got the president backing the deal. The board all want it to go through. 
Kendall obviously has a plan. So I think this final episode is going to be Kendall's plan versus whatever Shiv has up her sleeve. And what Shiv has up her sleeve is the skeletons in the closet. She knows that Kendall's responsible for someone dying. She knows that Roman's been sending dick pics to Jerry, who's very much on Team Shiv, right? Jerry and Carolina are the ones she's taking with her. Big time. Plus, she's got the head of ATN having a little rest in her apartment. 100%. And the only thing that people really had on her was the pregnancy, right? And she's owned it. She's owned it 100%. So I think it's going to be Shiv v. Kendall for the top spot. And I would struggle to see how she can topple off the top spot. I don't know. The only way she ends up off is if Menken has the presidency taken away from him. That's the only way I see it. Somehow it's overturned. It's an episode a day, so I don't know how that happens in a day that it gets dropped. But I know Neil's very patiently there with his hand up, so I'll make this quick. I was... Looking at some stuff, you know, we we said before that King Lear is definitely an inspiration for succession. If you were to follow that route, then none of the children will end up successors. And the closest to it will actually be Cousin Greg. I kind of have to agree with you, Damo. As, as you all know, I have a huge fondness for Roman and... I absolutely loved Kieran Coggan's performance in this episode. And Roman seems to be the only one that is emotionally affected by Logan's death. But I would definitely say that the only way this can end is with none of the siblings ending up being successors. I completely agree with you, Damo. I think we all wrinkled our noses a little bit at the suggestion that the others aren't emotionally affected by things. But no, but they've shown different ways. Like both Shiv and Kendall, when they talk up uh, with their eulogies, they, they talk about money. Whereas Roman genuinely is emotionally affected. I mean, I'll, we've all got our hands up, but I'll offer up Shiv's, Shiv and Tom's conversation at the end of the episode where he's breaking down because he didn't really get to say goodbye she's welling up at that moment i think kendall always tries to be quite stoic but it all comes out as you say it all comes out in different ways but i don't think any of them feel any less than roman does Shiv literally has to schedule time to grieve she's she is making time and space for it and she consistently wobbles and wavers and tears come to her eyes maybe five or six times every episode since Logan's died. I think she feels it very, very much. But it's very telling that the eulogies that both Shiv and Kendall give, which, fair enough, are on the hoof and not prepared, but are all about the company and the money. Right, I'm sorry. We cannot sit here and have a conversation in which Roman somehow has a moral high ground after he helped cheat a Nazi into winning the presidency. <laughs> we all do things we regret, Damo. I think he needs to go and see Colin's head shrinker. That's what I think. He's emotionally stunted if anything i wrote down actually one of my wishes for roman other than to stop being so goddamn vile was uh to, to go to therapy i would like that to be his final resting place before the tomb i just wanted to, to touch back on the, the conversation about tom and shiv 
where Tom starts crying. I didn't buy it, man. No. That's the master manipulator. No. I think he, what he's done there is he's managed to loop himself back in with Shiv. Shiv's felt sorry for him, shown some weakness and said, well, you can go back to the flat if you want and get your head down for a couple of hours. He's gone, okay, yeah, I think I will. I'll be a big, brave boy. But bullshit. I, I just, I wasn't 100% sure on that. Tom's got no one left. So Shiv's his only, uh, I guess, rescue point. You know, Logan's not around anymore. So he's only going to survive by Shiv. I, my, I mean, my hope is like we, you know, we need to end this sort of generational trauma that's sort of been passed down to these kids. My only hope is that Tom and Shiv do find a way of. It felt like this was reparation a little bit in that. In there, he apologized to her. She offered him a sanctuary. My hope is for their kid to have them together in a nice way. But you know, we're, we're never going to see that. Not in the next episode, anyway. But. That was kind of what I was hoping we were leading towards there. I want to quickly talk about one of my favourite scenes of the episode, which is when Kerry arrives and Lady Caroline is there to greet her. She's like, it is Kerry, isn't it? Not Kelly. And then she's like, you must come and and sit with us. And then she sees Sally-Ann and then says to Marsha, oh, Marsha, this is is Sally-Ann. She was my Kerry. Let's all go and sit in the front row. It felt very much like a power play by by Harriet Walter. Uh, but then you get Marsha doing this brilliant thing of saying, at least he won't be grinding his teeth tonight. And so she's like, you, because we had this conflict between her and Kerry in the past, and now it's like, yes, it's, there's no point carrying on that feud. Just thought it was brilliant. Oh, and she takes her hand as well, doesn't she? Because she's obviously the most visibly traumatised. If you will, Neil, she's the most Roman of the four of them. <laughs> No comment. And, and no, but there she is, though, right? You know, it, it's far more obvious. It's it's a more kind of classic portrayal of what's going on. But I think it was really interesting seeing the wronged women of Logan, and that's why I think that line that Shiv has, and I think that one is definitely directed at that pew. I felt like when uh, Caroline goes up and says, "This is my Kerry." I felt like the message was sort of to Marsha, to all of them, you're not special. None of us are special. There are four of us here. I think it really goes back to Marsha, well, Marsha's final line of the series, isn't well, of the episode, which is he broke my heart and he broke yours too. I don't know, I thought that tied in really nicely with the four women on the, on the front pew as well. But I think that might be the last time that we see those four women. Four women of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I'd be interested to see who comes back for the final episode. I feel like we might have said a couple of goodbyes this this episode. I mean, Sally Ann, what a moment in the sun! We hardly <laughs> knew her, Sally Ann. It was just so great to have Harriet Walter and James Cromwell plays Uncle Ewan in this episode. I'm so glad we got them back for at least, even if this is the only time we see them in this season. Just brilliant to have them both back in the show because they're superb, superb actors. And the uh, lovely social climber, Peter Sinjin, being mm-hmm. back as well. I mean, it's wonderful. With his autograph book. And he was so quick to be a wheelman, right? <laughs> it's when Shiv says, oh, you, you were one of his favourites. And he's like, oh, oh, oh was I? <laughs> <laughs> i got one other thing on the funeral. Just them walking up. Beautifully, beautifully done. Them walking up behind the coffin. And it starts off with Connor at the front. 
and Kendall and Roman side by side and then Shiv behind. But as they get closer to the front of the church, all of a sudden Roman is side by side with Connor at the front, which I thought was, was again, really nicely done. The order on the way out, who was at the front then? Kendall and Roman was definitely trailing. Do we want to cover the ending, the very ending of this then? We've, we've touched on it a little bit, I think. So we've said that, you know, Kendall has this plan. Uh, we don't have a lot of leverage at this point. We need to make some moves. He's kind of is laying into Roman, telling him you fucked it with Jared. Um, we have to get real and fight Shiv at the board. And then Roman reacts to this by walking out against everyone else's advice towards the protesters uh, and then jumps over the fence and is knocked to the floor. Big Simba in the Wildebeest energy, wasn't it? <laughs> so I think Roman needed to um, excise his grief and that was a big reason for the choices that he made there. I mean, it was pretty dramatic and it'd be interesting to see how that leads into the final episode. Processors say, fuck you, you piece of shit. And yeah, he gets hit. But I kind of feel like as a character, he needs that. But that's entirely why he's done it, right? He knows. That's why he's going into that maelstrom. He, he's, he's, he wants to get punched in the face. That's all yeah. he wants. He wants. And to be honest, given that there's the history of his dad beating him, that's even more fucked up. But it's really interesting. He's just completely consumed by it because some people try and help him up. And he's like, get the fuck off me. How dare you fucking touch me? Like He is just hate right now. Don't you feel sorry for him, Damon? Of course. I mean, his, his dad's died. I can't, I can't not feel sorry for him. But it doesn't stop him being a colossal twat. Yeah, I agree. Those two things can coexist. Something else I just wanted to bring up is Shiv. So Sarah Snook is actually pregnant in real life. I don't know if all of you knew that, but um, they've clearly kind of built that into the storyline. find that really interesting. She does have a stepson. But this is her first child. That, I don't know. That that just makes something organic about the last series. I think we can all wish Sarah Snook all the best for her pregnancy. Totally. Before we finish, um, we haven't really talked about Connor very much in this episode. He had a couple of lines I really enjoyed. When they're at the tomb and they're talking about whether there's extra births in this massive $5 million tomb that he, Logan's purchased. And he says, I'll have to talk to Willa. I was crazy for cryogenics, but yeah. <laughs> of course he is. His other line in the tomb, which is, I wouldn't say no to a top bunk. <laughs> <laughs> the follow-up to that is Kendall saying, I had trouble finishing a scotch with him. And then Roman saying, he made me breathe funny. Yeah. Just so sad. Mm-hmm. Oh, we all love Roman. I mean, it does point to childhood trauma but let's save that for the finale shall we i watched a youtube vid about who amongst the friends characters and i know demo you don't watch friends but who would the roy family be if they were a friends character what was the answer well I'm, i'm i'm asking you which roy family member would align with a friend's character well logan would be ugly naked guy (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, uh, Greg and Ross, maybe? That's not what came out. No, I think Logan would be the grumpy neighbour from downstairs. No, that's not what came out. I mean, I guess Roman is kind of Chandler-esque. Yes! Okay, first one. First <laughs> correct one that the public voted on. Yes, Chandler is Roman. Shiv is Monica. Yes. God, Damo, for <laughs> non-friends watcher, you're getting these. It must be Kendler's Ross then. Yes, well done, Adam. Yes, Kendler's Ross. So cousin Greg is Joey. No. It, cousin Greg is Phoebe. Yes. Oh, oh done, Grace. Great work. So we just got Joey and Rachel left, I think. It's got to be Jerry as Rachel. No. Willa. No. Oh, is, is Connor Joey? No. Oh, You'll have to tell us, <laughs> Neil. We're, we're running out of time and the will to live. Okay, Joey is Tom and Logan is Rachel. Does that mean there's going to be a generation of women obsessed with Logan Roy's haircut? Yeah. Yeah. I had the I had the Rachel hair. Of course, I probably did. <laughs> Grand. Well, that gives us a uh, good reason to end this podcast episode. Um, whilst my co-hosts come up with the favourite line of the episode, I will remind our listeners, our dear dear listeners, that you can also catch our specials on Ted Lasso and Yellow Jackets. Two of those recently dropped over the weekend. We're also doing weekly watch list spoiler-free episodes where we talk about the best of the rest of the TV currently out there. Our most recent one we'll be covering, Primo, on Amazon Freebie. You can get in touch with us about Succession or any of the other shows that we watch by contacting us on the social media at TVDNAPod or by emailing TVDNAPod at gmail.com. Please do give us a rating or review if you have the time and or engage with our Spotify polls. And or what? Right, he's got a line then. What kind of people would stop a brother speaking? He was a salty dog, but a good egg. What if I say to you, Han Habsburg, American-led, EU alternative? <laughs> I've got three and I can't pick between them. I'm going to do them all and Damon, all. you can choose in the edit. But Romans, see Shiv cry, see Kenny lie, see Roman the showman light up the sky. Shiv's response to, if you have a little dicky, don't go to the nudist beach. A tsunami just came and washed everything away. No one is checking the dicks. <laughs> but I think my favourite is Frank's response to Roman coming up to him, where he says, sure, life is short. We should all love one another. Go on. Life is short and I love all of you. Goodbye. Well, having never one watched... funeral, uh, 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 uh. Do, do the one, uh, uh, whatever you did, because Grace will favorite. <laughs> no, just do it for the edit. One funeral, uh, 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 uh. worth it. With the help of Matson, is it Maxson? Ma Matson, Matson, Matson. Yeah, this bullshit. I'll edit all that out. Um, 